0: Hey, this is Shannon from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron. Located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky, 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettleball classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606 310 4918.
1: Slap down a new topic and dash off to the next.
0: It's a great big world with so much to know. Like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast. With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing the history of Edgar Allan Poe. Across the table is a man who once lived in the House of Usher, the Raven Whisperer himself, Jason Creekmore. How are you, sir? Nevermore, Shannon. Nevermore. <laughs> are you sure? Not not even once? <laughs> okay, one time. We'll do it one time. Can we do it one time? Yeah, so? we'll okay. do it one time for, for Poe's sake. That sounds good to me. So, so Jason, we've been uh sitting on this one for a while. We've we've talked about Poe. For a long time. I know when we've been talking about episode ideas, this one's come across the list, but we kept saying, let's save it until October. Let's just wait. Let's roll it out with all the Halloween episodes, and let's just have fun with it. Right. here we sat, man. And, Here we and, sit.
1: And I think this particular episode, we've talked about it before, but I believe, if if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that Becky Hamilton is the one, like, several months ago mm-hmm. that we, we kind of threw out, you know, hey, what was uh, what would be some topics you would like to hear for, for Halloween? And, and this was, like, back like in the spring, maybe. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, and I, I think it was her that said, uh, hey, Edgar Allan Poe would be good, so… She, she's not wrong. Here we are.
0: <laughs> I, I love Edgar Allan Poe. I used to be oh, yeah. a, an eighth grade English teacher, and this was part of the curriculum. Oh, yeah. We went through all the big stories. It was the curriculum in it my was. classroom in, in eighth grade. <laughs> students love Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, the stories just, I don't know. The, I would think the language would be sort of stifling a little bit to like seventh, yeah. eighth grade students, but not really. I mean, when it comes to the, the thematic elements of yeah. Poe, they, they love it. They just really do. Yeah, they po, connect with it.
1: Yeah, Poe po gets his point across
0: yeah, one way or another, he and, sure and does. I think that's where trumps all. I think kids really identify with that. Yeah, so I think we're going to hop into the history and background of Poe first, and then from there, we're going to transition over into talking about some of Poe's bigger short stories as well as a couple of poems, and I'm looking forward to that because we oh, both yeah. brought a couple of our favorites. So let's start right at the beginning. Edgar Allan Poe was an American writer, poet, editor, and literary critic. He was born on January 19, 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts. Poe is best known for his poetry and short stories, especially his tales of mystery and horror. I don't know if he ever wrote a, a romance or a comedy <laughs> I, or anything. Not, not that I'm aware of. Uh, when I think of when I think of Poe, I pretty much think of like uh, dread and horror. Yeah, he's, he's murder, is, death. He's those an intense things. guy. Yeah. He's a scary man. He is one of America's earliest practitioners of the short story format and is generally considered the inventor of detective fiction. Also. Poe is further credited with contributing to the emerging genre of science fiction and he he did a lot here so Jason do you think Poe knew the influence his life would have over the
1: long term probably not I mean honestly I mean I know you're going to go into a little bit more of his life but uh, he he sort of died kind of a sort of just penniless really right and broke. and yeah. yeah i mean he was broke and kind of had just a, a very difficult life i don't know he just sort of seemed downtrodden all the time mm-hmm. uh I, probably probably not he probably did not die knowing that we would be sitting here in 2020 if he knew what a podcast was at the time yeah. that we would be talking about him so no i he probably didn't understand fully how he's like forever influenced
0: literature yeah forever and ever more right yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good one so let's talk, first of all, about his early life. Edgar was born to a family of actors named David and Elizabeth Poe. Edgar's father left the family a year after Edgar was born. To your point about him having a hard life, he definitely had a very troublesome life, his his father leaving the family just when he was a year old, and his mother died one year later of Tuberculosis, and that's not going to yeah. be the last time you hear us say that throughout no, the podcast. No, unfortunately, yeah. He, it, tuberculosis is is one of the things that widely affected Poe and his entire family. And just to be clear, tuberculosis is an infectious disease, usually caused by bacteria. It generally affects the lungs, but can also affect other parts of the body. Symptoms of tuberculosis include cough with blood, containing mucus. Yuck! Fever, night sweats, and weight loss. Classically, tuberculosis was called consumption because of the way it appeared to eat or consume its victims.
1: Wow, that's horrible. I've heard of that term though. That's a very common term mm-hmm.
0: back in those days for that. That's, that's consumption. Just, yeah, that's awful. Uh, it doesn't paint <laughs> a pretty picture. It's a bad description. No. Yeah. So, Poe became an orphan after the passing of his parents, and he was taken in by John and Francis Allen of Richmond, Virginia. Poe really didn't get along great with his stepfather. They would often clash over Poe's debts, which he owed to gambling. He was an avid gambler. Jason, and his pursuit of education, uh, of which he pursued an equal measure. <laughs> to the <gap> one <laughs> Poe attended the University of Virginia for one year, but dropped out due to lack of money. And we were talking about this the other day, Jason, and you yep. mentioned that his dorm is, is still there for <clears throat> residents to move into. Is there, that right? There is something I know. Maybe some of the specifics I'm, I'm
1: off on, but but yeah, there, there's a set of dorms there that's still uh, on campus at the University of Virginia. I think that they are exclusively for seniors Uh, you have to apply so very I mean uh, just a handful of seniors uh, are accepted to basically live in this dorm for their final year uh, one of the dorms specifically was Agri Allen Poe's and the dorms are obviously they've been renovated a little bit but but not much uh, even to the degree that they don't have restrooms in them that the restroom really? that they, they have to walk outside to go to another building <laughs> to go to the restroom wow. so they're, they're pretty much just like they were uh, during Agri during Allen Poe's time there do you think we can still pass for college seniors because I'd really like to stay in those dorms <laughs> Pro- maybe I, I could pass for maybe a college senior citizen maybe <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure but i would like to go uh, to, to see the dorms though that's
0: that's really cool that is pretty cool so moving on from here poe enlisted in the u.s army in 1827 under an assumed name He also simultaneously launched his publishing career with the release of a collection titled Tamerlane and Other Poems. The collection was not credited to Poe, but was credited to, quote, a Bostonian. So Mm. kind of of interesting there. Kind of slap in the face there a little bit. A little bit. Sure was. Poe eventually dropped out of the army following the death of his stepmother from tuberculosis. again, it's it's not good. It's it's really not. Rears its ugly head. It just goes on and on. And he declared his firm wish to become a poet and writer. At this point, he parted ways with his stepfather and kind of started to forge his own path. And this leads us to his writing career. Poe was the first well-known American writer to earn a living through writing alone. Resulting in a financially difficult life and career. Jason, it's hard to be a writer today, let alone back then when Poe was trying to make a, a living of it.
1: Yeah, that that really blew me away. I never really kind of fancied him as sort of like the first writer. Yeah, like that's all that he did in order sure. to make a living. Yeah, I didn't really
0: realize that. And and as you mentioned, he died penniless. And it's a common legend that people will take pennies to his gravesite and kind of place them around the perimeter yeah. of the monument. Because he died penniless, and that's one small token of the world's appreciation, I guess. Right, yeah. So he spent the first part of his career working for journals and periodicals and moved between Baltimore, Philadelphia, and New York City. In 1836, Poe married his cousin, 13-year-old Virginia Clem. And that's, that always goes over really well with the middle schoolers.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, wait, what? Could you back, repeat that back, one more, one more just, time? Just a second.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The two remained together until 1847, which was about 11 years before Virginia died of tuberculosis. <laughs> Man, we're over three. It's it's terrible. It Golly, really is. There, there's a legend, and I can't substantiate this at all. But there's a legend that I've that I've heard passed around that Poe was sort of a latent carrier of tuberculosis and that he never personally became afflicted with it but he passed it on to all of these people he knew which i don't even know if that's possible again i didn't look into this at all i'm going strictly on rumors so please don't quote that as fact but if that were true Man, that's, I hope he didn't know that. Yeah, I mean,
1: I hope he at least died peacefully, knowing that he, he, he himself did not actually sure. lead to the death of his loved ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although that would have been some interesting fiction fuel. I'm oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> to be sure. And he had enough of that going on in his life already. Poe's dream was to produce a writing journal, but he died prematurely in 1849 before the journal could be created. Poe was 40 years old at the time of his death, which occurred in Baltimore on October 7th. Now, Jason, Poe was originally buried in an unmarked grave because his headstone was destroyed by, get this, a derailed train. Really?
1: I didn't realize that. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So he had a second headstone installed, and it simply read, number 80. It didn't even have his name on it. So, I mean, this guy can't even catch a break in the afterlife. (laughs) (laughs) Man, bless his heart. It's pretty sad. A local school teacher raised funds for a new stone, which uh, counted to about $1,500. And eventually they moved the location of his body closer to the front of the churchyard where it was originally placed because they kind of buried him off in a corner somewhere Hmm. and and people really couldn't find him and as as his luck unlucky streak i guess you would say continued on they placed a new monument there eventually the one that would that's actually there now and they put it in the wrong spot are you serious yeah so i mean he he just cannot (laughs) catch a break man bless his heart yeah, so the cause of Poe's death is unknown, but some have speculated that it was attributed to either disease, alcoholism, substance abuse, or suicide. It's just a great big mystery. Right. Nobody's been just able no to. No one knows for sure. Out. Right. The day after Poe died, his literary rival Rufus Wilmo Griswold, which is a great name for a writer. <laughs> it sounds like a Harry Potter. Character. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus Wilmo Griswold wrote an obituary about Poe under the pseudonym Ludwig. And you have to remember these guys detested each other. They just Flat out hating one another. The obituary contained falsehoods that were widely circulated throughout the country. In the obituary, Poe was characterized as a lunatic and madman who, quote, walked the streets in madness or melancholy, with lips moving in indistinct curses, or with eyes upturned in passionate prayer, never for himself, for he felt or professed to feel that he was already damned, end quote. This is what man. his rival wrote about. Him. <laughs> Even in it death. Obituary. I mean, just,
1: maybe just let it go at that point. I mean, he is dead. Back off, the right. guy just a little Just chill out just a little. Yeah, give right. him some
0: breathing room. The obituary began by stating, quote, Edgar Allan Poe is dead. He died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. End quote. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this guy's just poking a dead man. Golly. Isn't that, isn't that cold? That's man. pretty rough. Griswold had such a disdain for Poe that he attempted to destroy his literary reputation upon his death. Griswold wrote a biography about Poe that was also filled with falsehoods, indicating that Poe was a, quote, drug-addled madman, End quote. <laughs> However, several sources dispute whether Poe was really a drug addict at all. Nevertheless, Griswold convinced Poe's mother-in-law to sign away the rights to his works, which Griswold went on to publish alongside the fabricated biography, which invented stories about Poe's drunkenness, immorality, and instability. This guy just cannot let it go. Man, so what, what did he say about him when he was alive? son, tell him. goodness. I'm sure he uh, called him an upstanding citizen. I'm sure A, a great writer, <laughs> uh, a scholar, and a gentleman. <laughs> I think maybe Edgar Allan Poe, that's probably where
1: you know the, the proverbial, uh, uh, I am rubber, you're glue kind yeah. of came into play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what
0: if you say bounces off me and sticks on you? That's, that's where that comes from. Yeah. So Jason, that leads us up to the actual works of Edgar Allan Poe. And we kind of went back and forth to determine which ones we were going to talk about because there are so many good ones out there, just really strong story- oh, yeah. stories, really strong poems. But Jason, which one did you decide on? Shannon, The Telltale Heart is one
1: of my favorite short stories of all time. I first read it when I was in eighth grade at Whitley City Middle School. I read a lot of literature as, as an eighth grader there. I think I've mentioned that two or three times. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyhow, yep, That's good. I, I was in eighth grade in middle school. I always enjoyed teaching the Edgar Allan Poe unit when I was was a, a teacher actually teaching eighth grade and seventh there for a little while. And of course, no matter what grade level, The Telltale Heart was, was a big part of that Edgar Allan Poe unit. Poe wrote the story in 1843 and... And since then, it has been widely accepted by critics as one of the premier gothic stories. So when I think of Edgar Allan Poe, I, I immediately think of the Telltale Heart. That's mm-hmm. the first one that pops into my mind. For other people, it may be something different. It's the same for me. Just as justifiable. Yeah. But but just for me, it's it's the Telltale Heart. So the story tells mm-hmm. the tale. You see what I... See what I did right That's there. Pretty That's pretty good. It tells the tale, right. huh? Yeah, uh, the story tells the tale of an unnamed narrator who goes to great lengths to convince the reader that he is indeed sane, while also explaining how and why he murdered someone. <laughs> what? What a sane guy! Like all sane folks do, right? Yeah. So. Basically, the narrator is living with this old man, and the narrator goes out of his way to explain that he has no ill will toward the man. In fact, I believe in the story, he says that he actually loves the old man. However, yeah. <laughs> the old man had a pale blue eye, uh, the eye of a vulture, mm-hmm. I think is, yeah. as, as he referred to it. And it is because of this eye that he had to kill the old man. So Shannon and I have a, an excerpt from the story here. So this is directly from the Telltale Heart. Let's hear it. Now, this is the point. Point. you fancy me mad mad men know nothing but you should have seen me you should have seen how wisely i proceeded with what caution with what foresight with what dissimulation i went to work i was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before i killed him <laughs> What a nice guy! Kind of in quote right there, yeah. So that you know those particular sentences to me are some of the more powerful uh, sentences in the whole in the whole story, because I mean, yeah. you know he's he's trying to let you know I'm I'm in total control. I'm. I have all my faculties. I'm very sane. You know, in fact, I was never kinder so to kind. him right before I murdered him. You know, so he, he's telling you this. So yeah. basically. How, how sane this guy is. I mean, very, just, has to be very sane, I'm convinced.
0: Yeah. That paragraph alone convinces me. You
1: know, basically, the narrator kills the old man, uh, cuts up the body, and places the body parts under the floor of the bedroom. I mean, just to kind of cut to the chase. So <laughs> shortly thereafter, the police show up because a neighbor said they heard a noise. They begin to interview the murderer, but he is very calm and confident. Uh, Eventually, he begins to hear the sound of the old man's heart beating. So at first, he's so so confident in himself that he's like, hey, pull up a chair. Mm -hmm. And he pulls the seats literally directly right above where he has buried the body under the planks. Oh, yeah. And he knows that it's all by design, right? But again, eventually, he starts to hear something and at first it's low and then it's a little bit louder and a little bit quicker and then he realizes oh my gosh this is this is the old man's heart it grows louder and louder until it becomes overwhelming Eventually, the murderer screams out that he is guilty and tells the police where the body is. And I think in the story, it even describes that he thinks the the, the, the police officers are, are mocking him because surely they hear this they sound. Would, they would
0: have to hear it. They're seated, seated right there. Right.
1: right. And so he's like, they're just sort of messing with me. Yeah. And so finally, I'm sure he begins to sweat and act all nervous. And the police officers probably really genuinely had no idea. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's enough, enough. You know, <laughs> can't take <laughs> you, it. Can't take it anymore. Yeah. So this story is the ultimate test of guilt and and paranoia so Shannon what do you think about the telltale heart
0: I think a little bit he he was messing with the cops to start with because oh, absolutely. At, at some point in the story they could have left like he, he gave them leeway to look anywhere in the house try to find yep. what you can and then he said, well, come stay a while. Pull up a chair. <laughs> yeah. I, that was his undoing. Just r- right in their face, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the heart, obviously, whether it's in his mind, whether it's for real, who's to say? But that story stuck with me all these years. And in fact, I do remember the first time I heard about this story, it was well before I read it. I was on a school bus on my way home, and there was these older kids, and by older, I mean like sixth grade. Right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. Tough kids. <laughs> t- right. t- tough kids. You know, the big kids. Right. right. I was probably third grade something like that and uh, of course uh we we talked about the goosebumps books before and i had my goosebumps books with me you know and uh i remember they were kind of poking fun at me a little bit (laughs) because they're like uh so you're reading these little kid books (laughs) you want to take the training wheels off boy (laughs) (laughs) that's more or less what they were saying they're like well today we read the telltale heart and you know you can't hang with the telltale heart and they were right (laughs) right (laughs) that story's pretty gruesome yeah uh, as i would find out later on
1: you know I've, i've seen a lot of like you know, paintings and, and actual uh videos and different renditions of uh, of this particular story. Mm. And there's there's one part in it where basically he he comes to to kill the man, right? And he opens up the door yeah. uh, as the story describes, just like like a crack in the door. Just a little bit. And he puts the lantern up and the light shines through and he and he puts the light directly on the man's eye. And I think for the, the first seven nights that he does this, the old man's eyes closed. And right. so he literally cannot bring himself to kill him. I mean the eye bothers him that bad that the, the next time he sees it he's going down right oh, he loves the man but you know you know <laughs> right. it's just your eye sorry i love but you just, just hate that evil old i devil just eye don't like there, the buddy. vulture eye yeah so uh, on the eighth night sure enough you know he makes a noise and the old man wakes up and his eye pops open and <laughs> the lights on it give me that eye buddy <laughs> and is it yeah and so uh, in the story it says that basically that they they both were quiet for an hour that he stood yeah. outside in the hall and then the old man was like up like listening, but never really went back to bed and yeah. rested. So, like for for like a solid hour, both of them just waited each other out.
0: And I thought that was kind of a, a, a creepy touch. That's well. kind of creepy too on yeah. both sides, really. Yeah. Can you imagine being so fearful, being that old man, and just sitting up in bed for a complete yeah. hour? I mean, usually
1: when I hear something in the house, I give it like twenty seconds.
0: Yeah, if I can even stay awake, that <laughs> and long, then I'm out. Yeah, it's I'm like, like whatever. It's probably not a killer. I mean. I'm pretty tired. No, I let's, mean, let's be honest. You know,
1: and and honestly, just last night, Kennedy came downstairs, and this was probably around two o'clock in the morning, and she said, "Dad," and I was like, "Yeah," and she said, "I heard something outside," and I said, "What did you hear?" She said, "I don't know. I heard something like on the porch." And I was like, okay. So I, kind of, you know, I, I sort of raised up. I listened for 15, 20 seconds. I don't hear anything. I laid back down. And of course, she ended up kind of, you know, hopping to bed with us. And then Mindy said, "Do you think it's someone trying to steal the TV outside on the porch?" Oh. And I said, "That's a chance I'm willing to take. I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> I'm going." To... So, so this morning I actually walked outside. And, and the TV was gone. The, the... <laughs> the tv was gone and it was replaced like with a, a tv half the size or whatever <laughs> no tv was still there but there was some furniture that was knocked over and i want to
0: blame the cats okay
1: yeah. did, while you
0: were out there did you hear any beating hearts or anything like I that i did not no oh, okay no. all right so so it's all good yeah. it was probably fine i'm sure it's probably not a kill only like 30% chance it was a kill <laughs> yeah, pr- probably nothing <laughs> you're in yeah. good shape So, Jason, the next story we have up is one that is a personal favorite of mine, also one that I taught when I taught 8th grade English, and that is The Mask of the Red Death. Have you ever heard of this one? Oh, yeah. The Mask of the Red Death is a short story published by Edgar Allan Poe in 1842 and earned Poe a grand total of $12. That much? <laughs> he man. was raking it in, man. man. He could have got like two value meals at McDonald's <laughs> back then. The, the story follows Prince Prospero as he attempts to avoid a dangerous plague known as the Red Death. And his name is obviously a symbol for being very prosperous. He's Prospero, right? The prince hides away in his castle along with many other wealthy nobles and they host a masquerade ball while the poor people are literally dying outside the castle and the prince had decided at this point that he was going to basically welled up the gates to the entrance of the castle he was literally just going to you know kind of shelter himself away from the world and he brought i think it said like a thousand friends (laughs) with him so it's a pretty big castle that's right yeah (laughs) must be yeah and i I just reread the story again today i'd read it many times in the past but one thing that stuck out to me is before this masquerade ball that they threw they'd already been holed away in the castle for five or six months so I, I just kind of found found that interesting. I don't know if I picked up on that before as many times as, I, as I've read this, but he really had every intention of just never going outside again. It's just like, if you're outside, you are dying and I want no part of that. My friends want no part of that. We're going to shelter ourselves away. We're going to lock the gates and you will never see us again. And in a way, he was right. <laughs> because this is yep. an Edgar Allan Poe yep, story. He was. The interior of the castle had seven rooms, each with a different color. In the midst of the revelry, once this masquerade ball was going on, at 12 o'clock at midnight, a mysterious figure disguised as a red death victim enters and makes his way through each of the colored rooms as the figure passes through each of the rooms the prince becomes enraged he's like all right who invited this guy who who is this person who is just openly trying to humiliate me in front of all my my rich friends come forth yeah come forth and and two how did this person get in here because again the gates have been welded shut this uh people who are outside are dying of the plague and you know we're, we're trying to have a party in here so so who let this guy in What what's up with that prospero finally confronts the figure in the final room which is colored in black and the story said that this was the only room that had a window pane that was different in color than the room itself so like you had a purple room with a purple window a green room with a green window and this one you have a black room with a scarlet red window that's not the room you want to find yourself in no in a Poe story or in any gothic tale for sure but when the figure turns to face the prince the prince lets out a sharp cry and falls dead on the spot i mean the guy doesn't stab him he doesn't walk over you know he doesn't sneak up steal his tv and you know coax him to come out onto the porch <laughs> or, <laughs> he just he just looks at him and he falls over dead The other revelers rush into the room and they forcibly remove the mask of this person. They want to find out who is this? Is this, you know, is this Lex Luthor? What's going on? Who is this guy? They take off the mask, they take off the robe, and they find that underneath there's nothing. Oh, Nobody's there.
1: Boom, It's
0: just a cliffhanger. Like, what in the world? So each of the guests begin to contract the disease and presumably die. Each one in turn just, you know, they realize, oh, no, this was literally the personification of death itself. And it wandered throughout each of these rooms. And as it did, we became infected with the disease that we were trying to keep out. The final line of the story sums it all up, stating, quote, and darkness and decay and the red death held illimitable dominion over all, end quote, because it did. Man, Red <laughs> Death was in the house, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's here to party. There's, there's a lot of uh, just symbology in that. Oh, big time. I mean, just it's, it's
0: crazy. It is. Yeah. The, the colors, the, the, you know, sort of the mask he was wearing. It said it. He was dressed in the habiliments of the grave. Like this man looked like a walking corpse. Right. He looked like the people that they had turned away at the gate and who were dying. It, it's somebody they didn't want to be there. But the thing about it is, death got in anyway. It didn't matter that they were rich. It didn't matter Mm -hmm. that they shut the gates. It didn't matter that they disinvited death. It's a big time theme there, isn't it? It's a big theme. And the Mask of the Red Death follows many traditions of Gothic fiction and is often analyzed as an allegory about the inevitability of death. Like you you can't get away from it. It's going to chase you down even in your fancy castle with your thousand revelers. Right. You know, so most believe the mysterious figure symbolizes tuberculosis. But it has also been theorized the disease might represent cholera or the bubonic plague since the figure ends in the black room, right? Yeah. But I'm of the opinion, if, if I get to have one, that it's tuberculosis. Because what do we hear? That his stepmother died, his mother died, his oh, cousin yeah. wife died. I mean, it was just like right. everybody that, that he knew. So that's a good guess. The Red yeah. Death had, had persuasion over him, for yeah. sure. But this is an interesting story, and that brings us to his poet poetry. But before we get there, Jason, let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store.
1: Welcome back, and today we are discussing the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Poe is also the author of one of my favorite poems as well, and the name of that poem is Annabelle Lee, and I think we've uh, already discussed that poem uh, once upon a time on this show earlier. We did, but it's a good one. I am going to bring it back. Let's do it. I like it. It's, that, it's worth it. I like it that much. Uh, this poem also focuses on death, like many of Poe's works. However, this one is a little different in that it was published in 1849 and was the last poem Poe ever wrote. In fact, it was not published until right after his death. Huh. So Poe himself never saw this poem actually be published. Man, as much as I've read that poem, I didn't know that. Did not know that. This 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 may have this was his last poem, but this may have been his last piece of writing ever, perhaps. So uh, I have the poem printed off here, so I thought it would be appropriate to give it a read. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea, but we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high born kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in her sepulcher in the kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful annabelle for the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful annabelle and the stars never rise but i feel the bright eyes of the beautiful annabelle and so all the night tide i lie down by the side of my darling my darling my life and my bride in her sepulcher there by the sea in her tomb by the sounding sea snap 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 okay confession time all right let's let's confess you've been laughing at me here a little bit today (laughs) and for good reason okay if if we could see hands go up right here show of hands Mm Okay, the word sepulcher. Right, my entire adult life until about twenty eight minutes ago. Right, I, I uh, refer to that word and pronounce that word sepulture. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And and it turns out I was wrong. Oh, so man. so see I learned something new in my own podcast. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so
0: we learned something sepulcher. with Shannon and Jason. Yeah, it's not it's not <laughs> sepulture, Jason. It's sepulcher. Yeah. Was, so there was, you go. I was just sitting here waiting for you to say it. Well, I, oh, I knew. Uh, I saw the, I saw the look on your <laughs> the look on your eyes like here it comes. I thought I thought it was going to be a good one. We we kind of joked about it. We said you were going to get to that part and say sepulchre <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty
1: really cool. But but nevertheless I love that poem. Uh my, my favorite part in the poem i think we've talked about this before too is can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful annabelle e. i mean you just can kind of it's bob so your musical. you can kind of bob your head you know yeah. while, while you're saying it. it's almost impossible to not bob your head as you're saying right that, right mc poe man uh, M- mc poe He's good this is definitely my favorite poe poem and probably one of my 10 favorites of all time
0: i think you're probably yep. in good company there a lot of folks really like that poem i know my eighth graders did yeah especially that part you were talking about can ever dissever myself from the soul it's just so musical
1: and 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 it's so poe right i mean someone he loves died I mean that's pretty much what what the gist of the, of the poem is, and that I'll love you, I'll never forget you, and I'm just not quite sure why you died, but I, I'll love you forever, and I'm and I'm just so sad that no, you're no longer in my life, and that's Poe. That's that's Poe. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Poe
0: does. Close the curtain, poes. That's that's Poe. Poe's gonna do what Poe's gonna do. <laughs> that's yeah. what he does. Now, he has a pretty similar theme in the next poem we're gonna share, <laughs> and this is the last one. Jason, have you heard of a poem called The Raven? Oh yeah. That's, that's a Poe biggie. This has been around for a while. Right. Yeah. And it has similar themes of love and loss, but The Raven is a narrative poem by Edgar Allan Poe that was published in January 1845. The poem is often noted for its musicality, stylized language, and supernatural atmosphere. The plot's fairly straightforward. The poem tells of a talking raven's visit to a distraught lover, tracing the man's slow fall into madness. He, he kind of goes crazy throughout this poem, which is a common trope oh, yeah. because we just saw Telltale tell Heart, man. These, these yeah. guys can't keep their minds right. in a Poe story. They just go nuts. The lover, who is often identified as a student, is lamenting the loss of his love, Lenore. The raven sits on a bust of Pallas, who is actually the Greek goddess of wisdom, Athena. And the scholars among us can kind of read between the lines on what that means, that he's literally sitting on top of the goddess of wisdom as he speaks. And the poem's publication made Poe popular in his lifetime, but it did not earn him much money. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of an ongoing theme with Poe. So we're going to read through this one it's kind of a long one but it's uh tis the season jason for a long hey, drawn out hey, point, Man, just let it go it's it's halloween time let's let's do it the raven by Edgar Allan poe once upon a midnight dreary while i pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore while i nodded nearly napping suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping rapping at my chamber door tis some visitor i muttered tapping at my chamber door only this nothing more ah distinctly i remember it was in the bleak december and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor eagerly i wished the morrow vainly i had sought to borrow from my book surcease of sorrow sorrow for the lost lenore for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name lenore nameless here forevermore nothing more back into the chamber turning all my soul within me burning soon again I heard a tapping something louder than before surely said I surely that is something at my window lattice let me see them what there it is and this mystery explore let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore tis the wind and nothing more open here I flung the shutter when with many a flirt and flutter in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he. But with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly. Though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore, for we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven sitting lonely on that placid bust spoke only that one word nevermore startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken doubtless said i what it utters is its only stock in store caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never nevermore but the raven still beguiling all my sad soul into smiling straight i wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door then upon the velvet sinking i betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy thinking what this ominous bird of yore what this grim ungainly ghastly gaunt and ominous bird of yore meant perfumed from an unseen censer swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor wretch i cried thy god hath lent thee by the angels he hath sent thee respite respite to nepenthe from my memories of lenore quaff o quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost lenore quoth the raven nevermore prophet said i thing of evil Prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter or sent or whether temptest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore. Is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet said I, Be that word, our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked up starting. Get thee back into the tempest in the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken, quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted, nevermore. Man, if you, if you want to get your spouse's attention,
1: <laughs> just just start, just like stare. Like dead in their face, and just start talking like that. I'm just going to look at her and say, "Alex, dear. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak." Got- <laughs> and it's it's more effective if you can try not to blink, like not yeah. don't blink at all, or breathe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just kind of get the whole thing out there. Just just go for it. I mean, that's the only way to, to yeah. do a po point anyway. Like
1: like the first like 30 seconds, they're, they're going to be like, "What are you doing? Stop!" And then like the next 30 seconds, they'll be in a corner, like just rocking like in a fetal position, cowering down. <laughs>
0: Stop it! What what's he doing? <laughs> but I must listen <laughs> that's that's what's going on here that's quite a poem it is man it's it's intense too and again going back to the musicality of it it's very rhymey it's very sing-songy oh, yeah. and and it sets a tone it really sets a tone for just this lovesick guy and he he may not even know the condition he's in almost until the raven shows up and reminds him that guess what buddy you know that seat you're sitting in there oh she's never gonna sit there again never more and he's like now come on raven
1: yeah are you sure (laughs) why
0: why you gotta do me like that buddy and he, he starts trying to shoo him out of there and it just just doesn't work because i love the end of it you know the raven still is sitting still is sitting he just never leaves and that's such a solid symbol for the dread and the melancholy right. that's going to be cast over it's this just guy's always life. there always there i think too this is a good reflection of poe himself and the entire life he lived i mean this is him this this is his life he he died penniless he was a writer who envisioned being uh, uh you know the editor of his own journal he was premature right. in his death. He never made it there. Several of his relatives passed away of a similar illness. And man, even in his death, his reputation was assaulted by his, his arch nemesis. <laughs>
1: yeah, apparently
0: so. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what do you make of the Raven and or just Poe's life in general? I mean,
1: just in general, I mean, obviously, extremely talented writer. I mean, unbelievably talented. Uh, but probably uh, equally just a miserable human being. Yeah. And I mean that like You know, not sarcastically or anything. I mean, I'm being sincere. Just sad guy. Just a very sad guy that probably just really didn't have a lot of luck in his life. I mean, he, you know, when, when we think of Edgar Allan Poe, we think Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. We know who he is. Right. But. But, you know, I'm sure he wasn't thought of as as that back in those days and probably just really never realized what he was going to mean to American literature. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, sort of just a sad, unfortunate story of, of his life, but unbelievably talented and still still one of my favorite ones.
0: Sure. And just to end it on a positive note, obviously, he's meant so much to so many people over the years i mean you you can't point to any horror writer of today and not know that they were certainly influenced by the work of edgar Allan poe right you know these were probably bedtime stories to them (laughs) oh yeah yeah so it's uh it's good you know he he has some solid solid writing he he was one of these rare individuals who could turn his pain into art and it was enduring art, and it was lasting yeah. art, and it meant something to people. But Jason, that brings us to the end of this Slapdash episode. Any final thoughts or parting words of wisdom? Uh,
1: no, I think we pretty much covered everything, at least for, for one episode. You know, there are other stories. I mean, one of my favorites is The Black Cat. That's a good one. That we didn't read tonight. I know there's you were actually looking at maybe a couple more. I was going to do The Cask of Amontillado, but I didn't yeah. know how to pronounce it. So, yeah. sepulture, <laughs> <laughs> sepulture. Uh, no, but uh, again, I mean, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Episode, so shout out to uh, Becky Hamilton for recommending it. Uh, obviously, if we're talking about some type of uh, gothic writer and we're talking about Halloween, it
0: has to be Edgar Allan Poe. He's so, be there. right, so we have checked this off the list we have and look forward to other episodes upcoming on the podcast this month we have several more topics along the halloween theme so be on the lookout for those released on mondays and thursdays thanks to all for listeners please subscribe to the podcast share us with a friend follow us on facebook twitter and instagram with the handle at slapdash pod and we will catch you in the next episode nevermore